Hey, everybody, this is Marcia Reiner with Profit with a Plan podcast, and I have an international treat for you today. Uh, Bruno Pesic is here, and we're going to be talking about uh, stepping into a new market and, and how to innovate and get that going on on today's Profit with a Plan podcast. Hey, entrepreneurs, are you trying to make bigger profits in your small business? If you're like most of us business owners, increasing your profitability is always on your mind. And you're probably looking for ways to grow your revenue while growing your company. Well, you found a podcast that shares ideas to help you do just that. I'm Marcia Reiner, known as the Profit Booster and a business growth strategist. I've helped tons of small business owners to establish and implement a tangible plan that guarantees increased profitability guide your growth, and plans for a future exit. Because building a highly profitable and sale-ready business creates a win-win scenario. That's more money now and a windfall when it's time to let go. And I want to share strategies that I've learned with you on today's Profit with a Plan podcast. But before we get started, I have a great training that I think you need to check out. It's called the 30-Day Profit Booster. And this is where I'll show you how you can get a boost, a 45% boost in net profitability in just 30 days, simply by following a three-step method that requires that doesn't require that you're chasing more customers. This quick and easy profit-boosting strategy can be done without spending more money on marketing, hiring additional staff, or working longer hours. Go check it out at 30dayprofitbooster.com for more information. All right. My guest today is international leader Bruno uh, Pesicia, and I'm terribly uh, sorry for, for butchering your last name. Bruno helps business leaders innovate profitably. He is a rare innovator who has claimed that he had worked on a regulation-defined freight train and award-winning board game. In addition to his corporate experience with brands like DNV, DNB, and Cronenberg Group, Bruno runs a community of entrepreneurs of several thousand members. He is currently undertaking his doctorate in organizational change with a specific focus on issues with innovation in large enterprises. Bruno has co-authored the Augmented Strategy Book, which is a practical guide to decision-making based on data and human intuition. He has been a passionate practitioner of martial arts since 1997, having trained in uh, karate, wrestling, and Muay Thai. Bruno resides in Oslo, Norway, with the love of his life, Tamara. Bruno, welcome to Profit with a Plan podcast. I'm excited to have you on today. Uh, Marcia, I'm so happy to be here and discuss uh, very important topics that you have already raised. Uh, just opening the episode and discussing everything. And that is profitable <laughs> growth. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's funny because um, profitable growth is always on my mind, as I say. But, you know, it's on the mind of business owners because I believe in my soul that if you're not growing, you're dying. And um, so I look forward to this conversation on innovation and stepping into a new market. But before we get started on that, how in the world did you get involved with uh, innovation? Were you one of those tinkers that opened things up and broke them all down just to rebuild them again as a kid? <laughs> yes. 
that, that is eerily accurate. <laughs> I, my I, my I grandfather was, was like that. He would take apart clocks just to see how they worked. Yes, so I was getting in trouble for that ever since I was a little kid. <laughs> Great. So, so did you? Uh, what was the biggest thing that you actually took apart and put back together, or your greatest accomplishment on that? Ooh, well, the the biggest thing that I have blown up is a battle tank. So that is the biggest and the most expensive thing. While I was working in uh, defense industry as engineer. Uh, and uh, you quickly learn because uh, those things are so expensive to, to blow up and test uh, that you have to learn as much as possible, as quickly as possible. And that is a very good lesson uh, for entrepreneurs and also small business owners, especially when considering entering new markets or any risky investments. It's like, okay, what is the cheapest way to learn about this opportunity or new business venture, new product, new service, new market, whatever? Because the faster you can learn, the cheaper you can learn, the less likely you are to make a very, very costly mistake. And we, we all know profit formula is a very simple thing. It's what comes in minus what came out. So if, if you lower what <laughs> came out, <laughs> your profit is better as well. Exactly, exactly. Well, you know, it's interesting because um, we think we know what the market will take, or at least we're, we're anticipating what the market will take. But you mentioned it and you hit it right on the head that it can be very, very expensive to tap into that new market. And, you know, and if it doesn't grow fast enough to offset the expenses or or maybe you miss it by a hair and you you put out this this one versus, you know, you put out version A versus versus version B, you know, you've missed a, a, a huge opportunity. So there's got to be a way to you know, innovate and and create um, the opportunity, whether it's service or product, to step into a new market. Is there any kind of method that we want to use when when anticipating this? Method to madness. <laughs> <laughs> lots, yeah. lots of lots of late nights and 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 beer or whatever you drink, right? <laughs> yeah. So uh, there are a few things that uh, entrepreneurs can do, uh, small business owners, etc., that I would recommend are very pragmatic, very practical. Uh, and it all starts from the very first question, which to me is, should we be looking uh. into new market to enter? And I, I know this may sound like, oh, of course, Bruno, that is so obvious. But I cannot tell you in how many examples I've encountered both business owners and innovators in large organizations that latch onto an idea or a specific market and it brings them ruin because they get stuck on it. Like we must enter this market. We are investing now. And then two years later, we spent two years working. We already spent all this money. We must succeed now. So the sunk cost fallacy sets in and you know everything just goes to hell and it gets worse and worse and worse. You basically enter this death spiral. So mm. you really don't want to <clears throat> enter that death spiral. And the best way is to, now is almost end of the year. Uh, sit down, revise the numbers if you don't know how to read the numbers. And I hope you do if you're a business owner, you know, speak, speak to your accountant to help you out. What I'm always looking into is looking at the whole body of revenue and trying to recognize, okay, what's the percentage of the revenue that came from the products and services introduced, for example, in the last three years? If that percentage is below 30%, all the alarms should go off because it, it means that decay rate is higher than you're 
growth rate. And you have very strong incentive to start looking, okay, now we must enter a new market, even, even if it's a painful process. So mm. that is, that's a good thing. <clears throat> Another thing is when trying to understand, okay, is this market worth entering is a very simple check. Does the market need to be educated? Ah. Like, does it need to be educated about the service, uh, the product uh, or something else? If the answer is yes, you can expect much, much higher cost. And if you're selecting several markets to enter, it's better to enter a market that's already educated than the one that needs to be educated. And, and you might think, oh, why would I want that? That means there's already a competitor in the market. You want that because education cost is really high. It's much cheaper to steal or secure an educated customer that's already aware of their need, is aware of the solution, and is willing to change the solution, hopefully, to yours. I love no. that. What a, what a foundational moment right there, audience listeners, that you got to make sure you're going in to an uh, to a um a market that has an already existing awareness and need for a product similar to yours. Um I have I have a client that uh has a very unusual product and as he tried to step into the market, he had to do a lot of educating into this new market as to why his product was so fantastic. Um, he had some growth, but it wasn't fast enough for him. So he started backpedaling and, and trailing. Um, but yeah, it is, it is, uh, it is, you know, if you have an unusual product, you're going to always have that battle. But if you have a product that is already um, recognized, or, or friendly where you're where you don't have to do so much educating yeah you can speed that that entry a lot a lot faster yeah and it is especially like you'd say in, in your example of your client when it's a unique and special product uh don't despair if you're in that situation uh you can bridge it by identifying okay what are the customers actually using the product for so you might have something that's very unique configuration but if the customer is uh, i'm making an example uh let's say that you're a plumbing company and you offer plumbing services what's the customer trying to get they're trying to get their stuff unclogged they're trying to get their pipes cleaned etc and they might be using other plumbers but you have some robo plumber with a subscription or whatever so you obviously have a non-traditional unique product configuration but the problem your customer solving is still the same they want to get unclogged pipes so you right. can latch onto that. So you do not need to educate them on the value of having unclogged pipes. You have to focus on that. But ideally, as I said, if you're looking for a new market to enter with your existing expertise and existing offerings, the best is if you can find something where customers are already educated. Because if you're the first, you spend the money and that's the benefit of every other competitor. Exactly, And that's kind of wh why the whole fast mover strategy, for example, uh, works, because there is this first mover who takes on the whole expense, the whole effort to educate the market. The only time it works is if you have a very, very strong personal brand. 
So mm. uh, either there's a strong product brand, but it usually works better with personal brand, like uh, Marcia's uh, unplumbing robot, uh, Bruno's uh, cleaning uh, service, something, something. So, so then it becomes attached to the face, you know, like there's the whole Coca-Cola, Santa Claus in, in uh, Western countries, etc. So you start connecting a specific face to a specific service. So everybody will say this is a copycat, but not, not that, that's rarely Mm, I love it. Okay. So step into a market that is already educated on the product or service. Even if you have, even if yours is purple and theirs is green, um, it's still, you can still come in and and test the market and step into that market. But yeah, you're definitely going to do it at a faster pace and less expensive cost. Okay. So so now that we've um now that the market is semi-educated, they know that there is a need and and there are products that can solve their solution. What else do we need to do? As I told you, I'm a big fan of uh, pragmatic, practical, and rapid. Mm. The easiest way to enter different markets is through making small changes. Mm -hmm. reconfiguring what you have, adding small elements. For that, it's critical to actually understand the whole customer's journey or value flow, call it whatever. Those are fancy words uh, from understanding the complete steps of what happens when you start delivering, delivering your product or service when it comes to the customer. What do they do with it? What do they do after you sell them that? What do they, you know, the whole life cycle. You mm. must invest time in understanding that whole value chain. And that is extremely helpful for you because you want to look into that and identify all the gaps. And these gaps, they show you the biggest opportunity for rapid and usually very cost-efficient growth because they're usually small tweaks. So people think that, okay, innovation is just about developing new products, developing new services. It can be about that. And yes, those can have big returns, but guess what else can have big returns? Tweaking how you communicate with customers, tweaking mm -hmm. how you speak about value, tweaking how you deliver that to them, tweaking customer service, tweaking customer support, tweaking how you price things, tweaking how you charge for things. All of those small things can have big, big impacts in coming to new markets. Sometimes it's really just a matter of, for example, repackaging your products. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use a brief example because uh, I love it. Yeah. it, it this was uh, in a business parlance, red ocean, meaning a lot of competitors. Everybody has the same thing. Everybody is competing on a price. It was actually a plumbing business. Ah. The owners were moving into new geography. And what they did, they were basically calling a lot of other plumbers trying to hire their service so they can understand what are they offering, how are they operating, what are their prices, etc. Classic market research. Then mm -hmm. they randomly sampled and called some people who recently used plumbing services and were noting down their biggest frustrations. So they surveyed both sides. And what they found had nothing to do with plumbing services. What people had the most frustrations with was the following. Uh, they didn't know what would be the price of the service because none of the providers had the public uh, costs. Uh, they couldn't tell them on the phone. They billed them on the spot. And the other biggest grievance was that all, I don't want to say all, but most of the providers that they used uh, 
just didn't look good. They were sloppy. There was a mm-hmm. white van with some rust on it. Like, who are these people? Are they going to rob me? Are they, are they going to provide the service I hired them for? So what this company did, and, and their core service unchanged, they invested in uniforms. They invested in a weekly cleaning of the vehicles. And they put a public uh, cost or price menu on their website. Most wow. people will say, how, how is that innovative? But to them, they came to dominate that geography because in that geography, people were frustrated by dirty service providers and unclear uh, cost and pricing offerings. And this is wow. kind of things I'm, to- I'm talking about when looking for new markets that you can rapidly enter, rapidly grow, building on the capabilities you already have. Th- this this doesn't cost anything. This is like two weeks of market research that you can do. You don't need me. You don't need someone with a PhD. You don't need some fancy <laughs> consultants. Just get on the phone and start phone and start talking. Wow. First of all, I think you hit one of the biggest frustrations for any um, blue collar home service is the known price. Uh, because that is common, common, common fear is like, well, just tell me how much it's going to cost, right? I can't until I get there. Well, you can't tell me. And then, you know, so so you've addressed what the consumer wants. And when the consumer feels confident, they're going to choose you over somebody else, specifically in a red ocean environment where there's so much competition. What a brilliant move that they made to do that. And then they could expand their market. They could move into different cities. They can now offer memberships. They can offer all sorts of different market expansions that um, that their competition can't because they're racing to, you know, what can I do to 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 get into your house and charge you double what I should charge you because it's an emergency. You have a leak. Crazy, 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 crazy. What a great example of showing what little little incremental changes can do for a company that is aware of the competition and the consumer and the changes that can be made. So great example, Bruno. All right, so we've done some research. We know that the market is already available to us. When we talk about market, let's kind of step back a little bit. We're not necessarily talking about a new product or a new location. It could be something very simple like you just explained, a new process. And that's a new market as well. Or even adding on the next logical thing that they need because you understand their buyer's journey. Absolutely. Uh, And I'm trying to to formulate this because because (laughs) I don't like going too much into theory. Uh, But you're correct onto something. We are using word market without actually defining a word market. And if if you look like in large companies, marketing is a dedicated function. You have professionals whose only job is to define what is the market for us, what is the market segment for us. And uh, smaller companies and SMEs don't have that luxury. So the Mm -hmm. business owner has to figure that out all by themselves. And what I personally like to consider a market, because to to me, it drives that kernel of an idea and and, and growth and everything is market is a specific person. I'm not talking Marcia or Bruno, but but specific person that's trying to accomplish a specific thing. Mm -hmm. A homeowner unclogging pipes, a homeowner 
maintaining house. For example, A plus B. So you, you have a, a person plus activity. And you may think, oh, am I not getting too granular? Uh, it is subjective. But if you're able to, to combine a specific person with specific activity, you and your people, your own employees, will be able to come up with the better growth ideas because it's so clear. It's not nebulous as people in Nebraska or something. What people in Nebraska? Homeowners in Nebraska? What with them? They have millions of problems. They have millions of jobs. You, you got, you're going to meet them all? So it's like the more specific you can, you can be on that combination, I think that lends itself to a workable definition of market. Because later on, when you do your marketing plans, sales plans, uh, so many of these, uh, let's call them growth ideas, they're revolving around the concept of understanding your customer. So why not build that concept in how you define your known market as well? And you can have multiple market segments. And then, as you said, Marcia, then everything is unlocked. Product innovation, service innovations, process innovations, delivery innovations, like sea of options opens up. Exactly. I love it. But you know what? So many business owners just think, they, they come out of a, a fearful space and they say, but I don't want to miss an opportunity. If I, if I niche down too small, then somebody over here on the right or the left won't choose me because I didn't describe them, which I believe is 100% wrong. It allows, it allows you to really be specific and communicate to that person. And then, and then that abundance mindset of there's, like you just said, Nebraska's huge right? There's many, 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 many customers out there in that very niche market or, or description of that ideal customer that that opportunity is there. And so, you know, if you can get granular, like you said, and really describe that person, then you can communicate with that person and touch their button and say, I know you. I know the problem that you have. Therefore, I've innovated to the left, to the right, up, down, inside, out to make my product very specific to your needs. And, and then it becomes the perfect solution, right? Yes. And to, to give you, to, to build on what you're saying, uh, let's, let's build on the example. So uh, let's say you're starting a business and you have homeowners plus unclogging pipes. That, let's right. say that's your initial. Then you have uh, two venues for growth. You can have homeowners and you can change. So not any more uh, unclogging pipes, but maybe something else. That's one venue. Another venue is keeping unclogging pipes, but changing homeowner, for example, to building owner, school owner, estate owner, call it whatever. So that way you can innovate in all the different dimensions while keeping your risk low. And this is so important because if you change both the person and the job they're trying to get done, you're entering massive risk territory, mm. which again, mm. for, for you as a business owner, you're constrained. You don't have many resources. Uh, profitability is always questionable. It is better to you know, keep one fixed, change another. If it works, continue. If not, you know. And I completely agree with your observations. Uh, people are afraid on missing out. And what I like to say, if it's good, it's going to come back. It is mm. always easier to add to your business than to you remove from your business. Now, I don't know North American law very well, but in Europe, for example, employees are very well protected, which is a good thing. But that also means if you 
bring on too many people at one point, it's going to be very difficult to downsize the business. If you decided to enter wrong market, you hired 20 people and the market is not growing. Now mm-hmm. you're in a pretty big trouble, both ethically, but also fiscally. So it mm-hmm. makes sense to always think, you know, let's niche. If something is really beating me in the face, I can add it. But, mm-hmm. you know, bottoms up instead of top down. You can be top down in your analysis, but bottom up in building your business. Exactly, exactly. And little incremental changes. I love how you said keep one steady and add something, but don't change both of them, right? You know, keep mm-hmm. part of the equation steady and add little itty bitty changes. That's what I do in my business when I'm consulting with my customers because change is the craziest thing ever. Uh, you know, very shocking, very uncomfortable for everybody, you know, out there. So if we can make one little itty bitty change and that little itty bitty change can now improve and and see, you know, you start to get that snowball theory, right? The employees can onboard, the the uh, the customers can enjoy it, the, they can move and adjust with the pricing. So I love that. And it's so much easier to make a little change, test it out, see if it's welcomed, see, you know, you haven't lost employees, you haven't, you know, lost customers, you're just making those little changes to be able to improve the situation and and start to see that profitability increase as well. So I love it. You're you're speaking my language here. And so it, it makes it great. But um, all right, so let's talk about, we talked about the great things of getting into the market. And I'm sure there's another, you know, dozen or two dozen ideas and steps and strategies we can take, but let's kind of, how do we reverse something? You have brought it up a couple of times, you know, if we get into a market that maybe it doesn't pan out the way we should, where, at what point should we consider reversing? And then what are some of the things we need to do to back out of that? Okay. This is a brilliant question. Uh, Thank you for bringing it up because uh, I I wouldn't have thought of talking about that naturally, but it is very important for uh, business owners. You need to define that in advance. That's that's the best time. So before you enter a new market, that's the best time to set success criteria. Mm. Because when you're in... I don't want to say something you need to censor. When you're in the bad spot already in the market, <laughs> investments already made, then it's very, very difficult. And then there, then you're picking between bad options. There will be no good option. It's going to be option A. Is, is that worse than option B? Is that worse than option C? So ideally, when you decide to enter a new market, you set down specific success criteria. Uh, maybe you decided to enter uh, your existing market, but with new product that's higher margin. So you would set specific, okay, it needs to be at least 30% higher margin. And uh, within first 12 months, it needs to sell whatever quantity. Those are very right. simple metrics. We, we do not need to, to turn this into some quantum science or, or something like that. And then you need to hold yourself accountable. And that is sometimes a problem for business owners because they're usually strong personalities. They have strong <laughs> ideas, what the customer needs and what the Risk customer takers. should get. Yeah, and what should they pay for? So it, it, it is a bit uh, difficult. And in those cases, it might be actually easier to have a, a spouse hold you accountable rather than necessarily uh, your employees or an external. In this case, an external like Marcia or myself, somebody else is a good sparring partner to hold you accountable. Anyway, Love it. 
if you find yourself in a horrible situation that you did not define success criteria, the market is not growing as fast, uh, you have poured in the money, the worst second thing you can do is consider how much time money and energy you have spent so far <laughs> as a deciding criteria to continue. This is what we <laughs> sunk but cost. But that's what everybody fallacy. uses. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 I mean, it happens. Like, I'm aware of it and it still happens. It, 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 is, it is human nature. Right. If you find yourself uh, in, in the situation, you need to pause, take a breather. Uh, and if you're not in emergency health services or something, nobody is going to die for you taking a week off not off off but off to reconsider if this is the best strategic option the best strategic direction so mm -hmm. what you should do is you should revisit all your assumptions you obviously mm -hmm. made some assumptions that have not turned true you want to find out which one were those was it about customer need was it about them understanding value was it about you being able to deliver the product and service as you intended it to so who knows? A lot of things can, can go bad. What you want, you want to identify what went bad, not to blame, not to guilt trip, anything like that, but you want to find, okay, what led to the situation you're in? You should not have to spend more than five working days. Mm. Like, I mean, I, I worked on nuclear submarines. I worked on some very technically challenging stuff and very complex stuff. You do not need five days to find out or more than five days to find out what went wrong. It's usually simple stuff that hurts on the ego, but is, is fixable. So that's good news. When you spend the week to figure out what went wrong, give yourself another week to figure out, okay, are we stopping? Are we continuing? Or are we continuing and doing something different? The stupidest mm -hmm. thing usually is to continue and change nothing. If you decide to continue and change something, use the opportunity now to set the success criteria. Mm. Okay, we are changing A, B, and C, and within next six months, X, Y, and Z has to happen. That's mm. our minimum success criteria. Uh, let's say that you're selling a high-end product, I mean, high-end product for, for medium-sized market, and you say you're in a business-to-business, -business, and you say, for this product, four new customers within six months. Mm. Easy. After six months, if there's three customers, it's a no. It's not yes, but it's a no. Because mm -hmm. you set down your minimum success criteria. Mm -hmm. Having customers, like small amount of customers, almost at the verge of success is the worst thing you can have. They're going to run you bankrupt. Yeah. You're going to go out of business making happy people, but not enough happy people. And what good is having a business that goes out of business? Even if the customers are happy. It's like... right. Irrational, but I've seen it again and again, and it makes me sad. Mm. These are really great points. It's like when you, you know, you you set the success criteria beforehand, and then you stick to it, right? Because when you're here in the beginning, you're dreaming and you're forecasting and you're putting all these ideas together about how how it could work for you. And you've broken down the numbers, right? If I do it at this price, it's going to have this much margin and I'm going to be profitable enough to continue, right? But what happens is, is that when you're in the thrall of it, right, you're all involved, the emotions come in and you're not thinking logically. So like you said, that almost we're so close. If we just give it one more month, we can have our fourth customer and then we'll be a success. But think about 
you set the minimum and then that minimum means that it was hard to get four customers in six months. How much harder is it going to be to continue that path? And um, I love it that you said, no, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to throw the baby out, right? This is my baby. Emotionally, I've put all this investment of time in. We're going to throw the baby out at this time and redesign, right? Whether we stop or change or go in a different direction, you know, I think it's, you've given us so many good juicy tips on procedural innovation that um, listeners, this has been, this has been really, really helpful, at least for me, you know, coming in and, and I play in this market, but it's like, you, you don't see it until you talk to the experts that really, truly know it. So this is, this has been great. All right. So any final words on innovating and stepping into a new market that maybe you had on your mind and I didn't allow you to bring out? Uh, I think any listener should re-listen this episode with a notebook, take take some <laughs> notes, etc. Because bo- both you and I, I mean, uh, I'm well aware that we shared some very cool practical tips that can save people money and time. The only thing I would add to everything that we have said uh, I did mention in the beginning, but I think it's important repeating is that all the investments, growth, strategy, capital expenditures, etc., it all comes down to your speed of learning. So mm-hmm. always try to figure out, okay, what must be true for this to succeed? It's a very simple question. You want to enter a new market? Okay. What must be true for your new product to succeed? What must be true for your new service to succeed? Not rocket science. Just list down those questions and then figure out what you have to do to learn the answers and then figure out what's the cheapest way to do that and keep keep repeating. That is the meta process behind everything that I think I have uh, shared with you today. And that applies if you're a solopreneur, if you're an SME, if you're a family business, it's the same thing. If you can outlearn your competition, you will be able to outperform them as well. Ooh, golden nugget, golden nugget for sure on, on, on that. And I think, you know, we, we business owners, we make it too hard, right? You know, oh, we got to stand on our head. We've got to do this over here. We've got to do that over there. It really doesn't, if you can, if you learn, right, as you said, and, and what is the thing that you need to make to succeed? I mean, it's just, it, it, it can be very simple. It can be very simple and very easy to implement and bring your team along and execute on it. And um, I think we just need to stop making it so darn hard. Right? I mean, it's crazy. All right, Bruno, you have been you have been a wealth of information and I appreciate the idea that we're gonna go back and listen to this with a notebook and say, yeah, that was a really great tip that I need to add in. Um, well said. Where can listeners find out more about you and your company? Well, uh, everybody, Marcia has my private contact information, so you can always ask her. But in the meantime, uh, www.pesec.no on my website. If you heard anything you're interested in, anything I mentioned, you can find it on my website. Everything from uh, growth strategies, innovation strategies, how to define strategies, how to set up teams, how to measure. Everything we discuss here, I write about. I don't hide anything. So just go make use of the material. I hope uh, it makes you a little bit more successful. 
Awesome. I'm sure it, I'm sure it will, you know, again, make it easier, not harder. Right. And, you know, as a, as a consummate learner, I'm always, you know, this is why I set up my podcast is because I learn from experts like you. And then uh, it just keeps my mind going and, and improving my business and therefore improving my customers' businesses. So uh, I thank you. And listeners, I hope you found a couple ideas to put into your business to help you innovate, grow, and become more profitable. Because I've said it over and over and over again, if you're not growing, your company's dying, you have to outperform inflation, you have to outperform your competitors, you have to keep moving forward. And through innovation and possibly looking into new markets, um, is the way that growth occurs. So I hope you found these ideas that were were helpful for your business and you take Bruno up on his on his information on his company's website. And again, all that'll be in the podcast notes as well. All right, as I remember, if you remember, I said that you know you could boost your profitability by 45% in just 30 days. I said it in the beginning, and I know you're thinking to yourself, Marcia, that's not possible. But it is. It is possible. And so go check out my new training called the 30-Day Profit Booster. Remember, this quick and easy profit-boosting strategy can be done without spending more money on marketing, hiring additional staff, or working longer hours. Go get more information at 30dayprofitbooster.com. And Bruno and I would love to hear your ideas. Tell us what your takeaway was from today's podcast. Um, Put it in the comments and tell us what you're going to do with that idea, which is even more important to just recognizing the idea. But what action are you going to take? And Bruno and I will comment on it and tell you if you're going in the right direction, cheer you on, maybe give you some more ideas on how to support that. And while you're at it, please subscribe. You don't want to miss future shows. And you can always catch Profit with a Plan on any of your favorite podcast players. We're looking forward to more great profitable information on next week's show. So until then, make your plans and profit with them. Thank you so very much, Bruno. Thank you.